listening to First Church Charlotte. I love to have fun in church. I love to, uh, I, it's not just about the heaviness of the cross, brother. It's about the joy of the Lord, too. So, <laughs> so um, uh, yes, that's going to be fun. Uh, all kind of things we've kind of put together in an attempt to have what feels like a great big celebration. Easter is the greatest reason for a party in the history of creation. There's no better reason for a party than uh, he came out of the tomb. And so this coming uh, Sunday, uh, I want to encourage you all to be social. Um, Christians, we should be social on Easter. Invite friends uh, uh, to come to church. Even if they just come over to your house, sometimes you can get them to come to church if you cook for them. But whatever, whatever works, let's don't just hide away. We have a reason to celebrate uh, the greatest event in our faith, on our theology, and that is they put him in the ground, yes, but he did not stay in the ground. And when he came out of the ground, he led captivity captive and had the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And can some church folks say amen? All righty. Man, that sounded better. You hit that chord right when I hit that. Mm. Who's preaching, you or me? I don't even know, brother. I'm going to tell you right now, you do, mm, that made me feel like I'd had a good job there. All right. I've been preaching for a while. Stay easy, easy, easy. <laughs> I've been preaching for a while on the goodness of God. Somebody say, God's been good to me. I need you to sell me. I need you to sell me. Somebody say, God's been good to me. Oh, man. That's what I'm talking. Do that again. <laughs> I'm going to have to make sure that you believe me when I say that. I want you to smile at your neighbor and say, God's been good to me. All right, hit me again. Hit me with your best shot. All right. I don't know what I was expecting, maybe a, a band or something to come in right there. I, I love preaching about the goodness of God because it is foundational to my heart being right toward God. Um, and I have to remind myself that in spite of the ups and downs of my life, God's goodness is consistent in my life. In fact, sometimes the chastening of the Lord is a sign, uh, not simply that I've done wrong or that I'm in trouble, but it's a sign that God is good to me. It's a sign of his goodness and his love. And so I got started, what, four or five weeks ago in Psalms 23, uh, preaching about the subject of the goodness of God because, uh, to be honest with you, I felt like it was something I needed to hear. And I figured, you know, like my wife, I didn't even care if you were here anyway. And so I would preach to myself. That's funny, and no one laughed. Now I'm the one who feels awkward. <laughs> Um, I just wanted to preach about the goodness of God, and I want all of us, I want all of us uh, to have this deeply embedded in our, our spirit, deeply embedded in our heart. Stop judging God by the circumstances in your life and build upon this rock. God is good. Yeah. <laughs> Stop judging by the ups and downs of your life, the rise and fall of the waves. It's always going to feel that way. There's always going to be sunshine and rain. Stop judging God based on weather. Can I have a witness in this house? And build upon this foundation. God is good. God is good. God is good. Uh, in Psalms, we've gone through the first and second verse, and now we're on this phrase, you anoint my head with oil. Today is Palm Sunday. My little girl, uh, we left the house, and I mentioned it was Palm Sunday, and she immediately got so upset, and she's like, I have palm branches, and you didn't tell me. I would have brought my palm branches to church, and I, she, did, she did this at our house and uh, when she got these palm branches. Branches. Um, and she marched through the house until I noticed her. And she's marching through the house saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's sweet. And then she walked by my office again. She wasn't satisfied. She walked by again. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I'm like, oh, that's so sweet, darling. You're so sweet. Hosanna, Hosanna. She wasn't satisfied that I thought she was cute and sweet and all that good stuff. She wanted everybody to say it with her. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed. And I realized I had missed a great opportunity for a sermon prop, and I apologize to you for that. And so to make up for it, I'm going to have 
you all say this with me. Are you ready for this? Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Come on, say it again. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now I wish somebody would praise him in this place. I wish you would praise him like you mean it. I wish you'd shout with a loud voice. I'd like you I'd like you to just throw your heart at God. I'd like you just to throw your heart at God. You have been so good. You anoint my head with oil. You anoint my head with oil. You anoint my head with oil. Anointing is simply a sign of God upon you. Yes. There's a lot of depth to the doctrine. If you want to weave through the beautiful threads of the Old Testament and New, there is symbols, which we may talk some about if I don't run out of time. But let's make it simple before we see the the beauty that's threaded through. And here's the simple version. Uh, anointing is the sign of God upon you. Why would I want to preach about anointing in terms of God's goodness? Uh, why would I want to make a point of in this impromptu, unplanned series on the goodness of God? Why would I want to make a point about anointing? Somebody say anointing. Uh, the, the, the reason why is uh, in the Old Testament, most people could not be anointed. Um, in the Old Testament, anointing was not for everyone. In the Old Testament, it was illegal to have anointing in your house. They policed the anointing oil. It was only for the purposes of God. If you made it in your house, you could, be get, you could get into literal civic trouble with the powers that be because it was illegal for you to make this which was unto the Lord. And so the anointing wasn't for everyone. There was a very specific select categorization for the anointing and where it would be placed. And there are three roles in the house of Israel that would receive anointing. There is the anointing of the prophet. Amen. There's the anointing of the priest. And there's the anointing of the king. No one else was anointed. No one else was anointed. There was an anointing of the prophet, anointing of the priest, and the anointing of a king. And a prophet speaks for the Lord. A priest ministers unto the Lord. And a king leads the people towards the Lord. This was the roles of which it was available for one to be anointed. That all changed in the gift of Jesus Christ. The anointing was no longer segregated unto just a handful. It was for every, everyone. And what Jesus did is in his ministry, he fulfilled the role of the prophet, the priest, and the king. And we are now anointed through Jesus. We are anointed through Jesus. When Jesus is baptized, you can read it in Luke chapter number 3, Matthew chapter number 3, Mark chapter number 1. When Jesus is baptized, he fulfills the threefold office of prophet, priest, and king. And so New Testament teaching can develop, New Testament theology can develop, which will go like this. You are a chosen race, but we're not all one race. You're a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. Somebody say a royal priesthood. Do you see the dual function in this? It's not a priesthood and it's not royalty. It is a royal priesthood. 
There is a uniqueness that is given to us, not because we are worthy, not because we have attained, but through Jesus. It is given to us through Jesus, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Where does this royalty come from? Where does this priesthood come from? Oh, I feel the spirit here today. Where does this chosen come from? Where does this new adoption of becoming a separate people come from? How do we become a holy? How? Where? What does this equal to say we are the possession of God? It is what Christ has done for us through his great goodness that we are now in recipient, the recipient, I should say, of, somebody say it with me, the anointing, the anointing, the anointing. Oh, God, we crave the anointing that only you can give to us. Lord, as a church, we are hungry for the anointing that is from heaven. We don't want just a form or a style or a culture or a habit of doing things. Lord, we want your presence in our life. And can some church folks say amen? So Peter establishes this understanding of royal priesthood, how in union with Jesus Christ, royal priesthood, how in union through Jesus Christ. Let me give you another passage uh, in Peter. Uh, this is verses 4 or 5, 1 Peter 2. If you want to download not notes from the website, every Sunday I give you all my notes. You can take them. Uh, just send me a big fat check when you read them. Thank you very much. God bless you. <laughs> they aren't laughing at my jokes either, honey. It's it's, 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 it's a problem. Um, to be, this is uh, chapter 2, verse 4, to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. But how are we going to do that? Through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. Now, to understand this further, I've given you some introduction to New Testament uh, theology. And now I'm going to take you to a moment that has not yet been lived, but we see through prophecy. And in this moment, there will come a day when we are all gathered before the throne of God, and there is every tribe, every people, and here we all are in uh, awestruck uh, amazement that we have been included in so great uh, a gathering of God's people. And at that moment, uh, the prophet speaks of what will be, and uh, here is the song that this stunned choir will sing revelations 5 verse number 9 and they sang a new song saying worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed ransomed you ransomed people for god from every tribe and language and people and nation this is what we celebrate in this week of the Lord's passion, we celebrate how he became our anointing. He became our redemptive covering. He became my hope. Now, if that's not a reason to throw a party, I can't think of a reason anywhere, anyhow. No matter what else happens to me, whether I am exalted or debased, I already have a reason to celebrate. Whether I have money in the bank or I have the bank calling me for money, I already have reason to throw a Holy Ghost party. Why? Because my name is written down in glory. He was worthy. He has become our prophet, our priest, and our king. And because he is worthy, not me, not you, because he is worthy, he can open the scroll and we are covered. And this is what I want you to see the very next verse. That was verse number nine, Revelations chapter number five. I want to read the next verse. You have made them a kingdom and priests to our God that they shall reign on earth. Do you see what Christ has accomplished? And do you see why we ought to celebrate? 
What does it mean to be anointed, however? I spent this week thinking about that, praying about that, and I did a pretty extensive Bible study uh, looking uh, in my habit of, of preaching. I, uh, first thing I try to do is organize. Uh, you can think of it as rightly dividing the Scripture. I try to organize what the Bible says. I don't just pick one or two verses and then take off. What I do is I try to create a type of survey of all these Scriptures, and then I begin to try to understand them. In their giving and in their context. And this is how we as Bible students rightly divide the word of the Lord. You don't pick one or two favorite verses. You take everything you have and then you begin to put things that go together, together. This is a type of Hebrew prophecy, say. This is a type of teaching to the young royal court of Israel, say, like Proverbs. This is Old Testament prophecy, say, given not to me but to another people. Yet I learn spiritually by looking over the shoulder of uh, the Bible and I see how it was given to them. I get in the New Testament. I say, now here we are in the New Testament. This is talking about me. Not there, here. We, they all died not having received a promise. But God saved some special thing. God saved some beautiful thing. And we are in this unique city. Do you see? And so all of this study of anointing and the thing you, you begin to learn when you are intentional and you're not just inspirational. The biggest error that any of us can make uh, in the, the word of the Lord is to try to only see it at the level of inspiration. Uh, that is always an error. Yes, it is inspiration, but let me tell you what, your inspiration will be more about how you're feeling right now than it will be how good of a student the Bible uh, of the Bible you are. I want to be inspired, but I want to build upon the foundation of God's word. And you see in the passages, you see, first of all, there is this internal component of the anointing, and it is when God gives you insight. Somebody say, God gives me insight. Uh, God gives you ability. He gives you stamina. Anybody need stamina here in the house? Uh, he gives you authority. He gives you protection that you would not ordinarily have, but God gives it to you because you are anointed. That's one component of it. We need to understand that. But we are also anointed before people. And in the Old Testament, if we're going to learn from the teaching, the symbols, the examples, the theological foundations of it, you need to see anointing as a sign, not primarily about you receiving the sign, although that's part of it, as we mentioned, but it is done before people. You have a role, a calling, a duty to live out before people. This is the unique trait of the three categories of spiritual office that are anointed in the Old Testament, none of it is about them. They are not anointed for themselves. They all have a duty for others. Whether it's the prophet, the priest, or the king, they are anointed for others. And I'll talk about that more in just a moment. It is the role of a king to lead a nation toward godly paths. It is the role of a king to prosper the nation with wisdom and strength. It is the role of the king to nurture a flourishing people. It is the role of the priesthood to connect the people with the God who has created them, ordained them, and empowered them. But they, like sheep, go astray. And the role of the priesthood is always to serve the people by connecting them to God. The priesthood fails if they only connect themselves to God. We can't hide in a prayer room and say, I don't need anybody. I don't have anybody to talk to. I'm just going to stay saved. No, that's, that's more you being motivated by your fear and not God's heart. As priesthood, your goal is to see uh, these are God's people. But there's a million ways for all of us to get confused. And my job, if I choose to do it, is to always connect these people to the heart of God. I'm going through and I'm, I'm saying, look, I know it's been a tough year in your fields, uh, but God loves you. Don't give up on God. I go through them. I say, I know you're tempted to serve the gods of the Philistines because it rained over there this past year. But I want to tell you, uh, God's 
going to keep you and do not give up on God. I'm always connecting people to God. And then the role of the prophet is I am always speaking to the people that which they have conveniently arranged not to hear. The role of the prophet is to speak truth to sovereignty. Whether it's royalty or your sovereignty, the role of the prophet is to speak truth to your power. You're not really doing well, my brother. I know you think you are, but the way you're solving this, no, that's not going to bring blessing into your life. I don't know who that preacher think he is. He's working in the role of a prophet to challenge you and speak inconvenient realities into your heart and into your spirit. Uh, and so in the Bible, these are the categories that are anointed. And in the New Testament, we receive all of this anointing. How? Through Jesus Christ. I'm going to show you some scriptures on that in just a moment. In the Bible, now looking at a survey of the scripture, everything we can find, humbling ourselves before it, not bringing preconceived ideas. We're going to stand for the Bible. What is the oil of anointing in the Bible symbolizing? Uh, I'm going to say uh, these things, and when I say it, I want you to say back to me, uh, I want that. Let me give you an example. One of the things that the oil of anointing in the Bible reckon, it recognizes and teaches is God's approval. Now, I want you to say, I want God's approval. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to say uh, God's approval. You're going to say, oh, come on, we can do better than that. I'm going to say uh, God's approval, and you're going to say, I want God's approval. We want your approval, Lord Jesus. In the Bible, oil, anointing oil, is a symbol of God's presence. Somebody say it with me. I want God's presence. In the Bible, oil is a symbol of blessing. I want God's blessing. It is a symbol of God's power. I want God's power. It is a symbol of God's comfort. I want God's comfort. It's a symbol of healing. I want God's healing. It's a symbol of joy. I want God's joy. It's a symbol of divine favor. I want your favor. It's a symbol of prosperity. I want God's prosperity. And it's a symbol of divine authority. I want God's authority. Now lift both hands and lift your voices in this house and say, yes, Lord, I'm hungry. I'm hungry to please you. Now, let me maybe perhaps stretch you since we're going into the anointing and the biblical understanding. You, won't, you will struggle to understand the anointing of God unless you learn to understand the calling of God. Because as we've talked about, the anointing is always associated not to identity, but to purpose. All the house of Israel is not anointed with oil. The anointing is not associated with identity. There were marks that they had that was the identity of them, but the anointing was not associated with those marks. However, the anointing is always associated with your spiritual calling, the role of a prophet, a priest, or a king. Once you understand that, you will learn how natural it is for the strong believer to crave God's anointing. I know I can try to do it my way, God, but I don't even want to try. I've been there, done that, didn't buy the t-shirt because I didn't want to remember. I just want you to know, God, I want you to do it your way. I want you to do it your way, Lord. I don't know how to go out. I don't know how to come in. I want you to do it. Anybody have a situation in your life you're ready to pray that prayer right now, God? I just want you to do it your way, Lord. I, I've tried my way, and it wasn't particularly pretty, Lord. I want you uh, to work on my behalf. You see, if you don't understand the link between anointing and calling, um, you'll always be too intimidated to try to do anything for God. Yeah. Because you will always look at how strong you think you are, and then you'll look at how great the work that needs to be done is, and you will disqualify yourself in spite of what God has said you are capable of doing. All right. 
because you did not understand the link between anointing and calling. And you'll fall into a fear response to God, which is you think your fear is related to salvation. Am I saved or am I lost? Your fear of the Lord is am I saved or am I lost? Which is one of the reasons why the story of the, of the, the master who goes away and leaves his servants with talents is so important, particularly in the New Testament. The issue they're being judged by is not primarily about whether or not they are the servant of the Lord. The issue they're being judged by is what did you do with what I gave you? But it can be intimidating. I'll be the first one to admit. I can be super intimidated. I'm so overwhelmed by the needs. I'm so overwhelmed by all the things that we can't do that if I'm not careful, I'll just get into my lane and I'll stay in my lane and I'll put my head down and I'll make excuses for myself. I'll never take any chances. I'll never put myself out there. I'll never throw my heart at people because I'm too busy protecting myself from theoretical future hurt. I will never put myself out there. Why? Because I looked at who I thought I needed to be in God and I forgot the fact that it's the anointing that takes me from where I am to where God can use me. It's the anointing that makes the, oh, I'm preaching to some folks here today. I wish you would receive this in your spirit. I wish something in you would stand up and say, I hear you, oh God. I hear you, oh God. The difference between where I am and what I need to be to do what God called me to do is so overwhelming that if I don't make a connecting, but a connection in my brain between the understanding that is what the anointing does. You can't take anointing and turn it into, it's me, Lord, who needs to be saved. That's the gift of God in your life. That's not your accomplishment. What you need to do is stir yourself and say, if I'm here, I'm here for a reason. There's people who need me in the here and now. My prayers can make a difference. My... Okay, so how can I tell you, take you a long way in a short amount of time? Um, well, one thing I can do is turn this into a 12-week series. Um, but my wife didn't give me permission to do that. And uh, so we're going to continue right along. Uh, I'm going to give you a quick uh, survey of principles the Lord has helped me to see. And I've tried to put it in my language, and I've, 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 I've done what I always do. I've, I've, I've looked at things that people have said. I've listened to preaching of people I respect. I've searched. I've studied. And, and so I'm going to try to give you real quick six things that are principles um, that are directly related to anointing and uh, to help you kind of put handles on your luggage so you can carry it with you. I'm going to give it to you all. Uh, and then I'm going to uh, revisit, if I have time, a few of them. Number one, um, this is the first principle you need to understand about uh, this theme, this subject, is there is no divine appointing where God does not also give you a divine anointing. He doesn't ask you to do something he does not empower you to do. <laughs> That's not the problem. The problem is you're probably going to want to argue with him over whether or not he knows you as well as you know you. When we were evangelizing, my wife sang a song. Uh, uh, Sister Kay Singleton wrote this song. Uh, if God brought you to it, he'll see you through it. There is no appointing without anointing. Don't stop with an argument. Argue till your hearts contend, then shut up and say, yes, Lord, if you said it. Husbands, you know how when you're arguing with your wife, there comes a moment when you just really need to stop. I'm trying to help some brothers here today. Can I get a witness over here? Does this speak into your life here, my brother? There comes a point you just need to say, yes. <laughs> don't look at me like that. Don't, don't, don't look at me like that. Uh, some of you suckers are acting brave because you're single. <laughs> that's why you're so brave. You're single. Maybe that's why you're single. But anyway, I love you just cutting up. Just cut, don't, that maybe came out wrong. I apologize in advance. Humor always to, hey, easy, easy. <laughs> she said, but it's true, but it's true. <laughs> Uh, part of having fun is cutting up and taking chances. So anyway, uh, I want to, I uh, 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 you're welcome to argue with the Lord about whether you can or you can't as long 
as before the sun goes down on your argument. You say, nevertheless, Lord, nevertheless, I'm, if I have to choose between your word and my word, I'm, I'm going to go with your word. Can I have a big amen in the church house? Uh, the second theme of anointing is this. Um, change is endless. It's always uh, change in our lives. There's always change in our lives. And if I haven't a sense of God's anointing in my life, um, I will lose my peace and my confidence in the face of change because change means I have to change. I know that's some deep stuff. If you're mel melancholy and you need want to write that down, that can be very, very helpful to you. Just make sure you get a, give me credit for it. Change means you have to change. Man, that's heavy. That's why change is so intimidating. It's intimidating because you have to change. You just started to feel like you knew what you were doing, and guess what? Life gives you another card. My grandma on my dad's side, she, she, she told the boys famously at her uh, the last week of her life, about the time you figure out how to live, it's time to die. <laughs> she was a godly woman. I think she speaks well for all of us. Change doesn't stop. It just comes, keeps coming in your life. And uh, here's the thing about change is in order for you to do the work of God, you need to have a sense of anointing in your life. And if you are depending on your ability to figure change out, it will destroy your peace and it will destroy your confidence uh, because the task is beyond you. And you will, in that moment, you will, because you have neither peace nor confidence, you will have no spiritual competence. Because change has thrown you for a loop. It's just, it's just thrown you off the horse, so to speak. And you have no competence. But God can give you peace and confidence. How? Because his anointing is upon you. Number three, there is in the anointing a continual reminder that although we live with limited resources, there is unlimited resources available to us. Number four, with God, all things are possible. You, you have to have this sense of anointing in your life, or that will be a verse you quote. It will not be a praise you offer. It'll be a verse you quote. And uh, number five, God's anointing will always reveal God's heart. And number six, I need a fresh anointing. Yeah. Yes. I need a fresh anointing. So very quickly, uh, I mentioned first, no appointing without anointing. Let me give you a scripture. This is Acts chapter number one, verse number eight. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Why? Why would you need power so you can follow Jesus? They've been following Jesus for three and a half plus years. The power is not so they can follow Jesus. They chose to follow Jesus. And the Lord would not lure them in with the promise of power. What he said to them was come and see. He didn't say, look, if you follow me, I'll give you this power I have. You're not given a power so you will choose Christ. That has to be a decision you have already made. I've come to preach to someone today. You cannot let whether or not you serve God rise up and down with the peaks and the valleys in your life. You need to make up your mind. It's going to be good sometimes. It's going to be bad sometimes, but I will serve the Lord. My faith is not at risk. If I get a good job, then I'll serve the Lord. If I get the right girlfriend, then I'll serve the Lord. No, a thousand times no. Why would they get power now? John the Baptist baptized him. <laughs> they followed Jesus. Why would they get power now? Here we go. Let's read what the Bible says. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. There is no appointing without anointing. I'm sending you to change the world as it has been experienced. I'm sending you to be a light in the darkness. I'm sending you to preach the gospel to all creation. And by the way, you can't do it. So if you tarry for a little while, I will fill you with Holy Ghost power. I just want to say, if anybody here, if you have been 
Um, if, if you have been serving the Lord for a while, but you have never received the gift of tongues in your life, you've probably felt the Spirit. The Spirit leads us. You've probably been convicted by the Spirit. The Spirit convicts us. You've probably had many other signs of good, positive uh, establishing in your life, but you've never received the gift of tongues. I, let me just make this appeal to you. I wish you would connect with me, connect with our pastoral team. Uh, we have put together a class that we will do with you face-to-face, like a home Bible study type format, and we'll answer all your questions. There's no secret, mystical things. We just need to know where you're at. You see, God will not force it on you. In fact, even when you want it, you're going to tarry for a little while. And so here's the thing. If you'll connect with us, we'll answer all your questions. Knowledge will help you relax. When you relax, you'll start worshiping with freedom. And once you start worshiping with freedom, uh, his spirit will fill the temple, the tabernacle of praise that's in your life. So any Sunday... Any Sunday where you think you're ready to learn more, please send me a uh, send me an email. Pastor, First Church CLT, connect with uh, Anthony, connect with Don, connect with any of our ushers. Just say, I'd like to talk to someone about that. We want to see you with this kind of Book of Acts confidence in your life. Because if you don't get that confidence, you're not going to be able to do the great calling that God has invested in your heart, your mouth, your abilities. Can some church folks say? Amen. Uh, change. Let me read this passage here, 1 Samuel 10. Then Samuel took oil and poured it on uh, Saul's head and said, God has anointed you to be a leader of his people. Drop down to verse number 6. God's spirit will come upon you in power. I'm going to read that one again. God's spirit will come on you in power. His spirit will come on you in uh, power. And you'll speak like a prophet and you'll be changed into a different person. Somebody say uh, a different person person. If you're sitting by somebody, uh, poke them real quick and say, that's what you need right there. <laughs> you need, a di- need to be a different person. <laughs> uh, change is part of life. It is part of the story. But when God's spirit comes upon you, you will be changed. How do you solve change? You don't solve change by rejecting change. You solve change by understanding change and humbling yourself to God's purpose in your life. Does that make sense? You can't stop getting older. You can't stop your kids growing up. You can't stop the fact that kids these days spend more time on their screens than they do kicking balls in the yard. You can't change these things. But let me tell you what you can do. You can try to understand and humble yourself before God and say, Lord, if your spirit will come on me, I'll still be effective. If your spirit will come on me, I will still be anointed for divine purpose and calling. All right, let me move on. Some of you are starting to look at me like, I think your time is just about up. When you let God come on you and him produce change in you, what happens? You immediately are given peace because you're no longer confused. And you also know God is going to bring it about in you. Secondly, you're giving a confidence because you know you're not working in your own wisdom. And what does this do? This gives you spiritual competence. Suddenly, you're useful in the hand of God. Number three, the reality of unlimited resources. Ephesians 3, 16, from his unlimited resources. Man, I wish some of you that need a miracle in your finances, I wish some of you would grab hold of the scripture here today. I wish you would, I wish you would read that scripture like you believe it. From his unlimited resources, from his unlimited resources. Lord, I'm praying for some unlimited resources in this house. I'm praying for people uh, that have struggled and wrestled and worried. I'm praying for some unlimited resources to be set free in this house. In Jesus' name we pray. From his unlimited resources, God will give you mighty inner strength through his Holy Spirit. Maha. How do you know if you're trying to do something without God? You're tired all the time. Is that too much truth for you? Did I scare you with that? How do you know you're trying to do something of an eternal nature without God? You're stinking exhausted all the stinking time. 
and you're mad about it to church cuss. <laughs> mad enough about it. That's what stinking is. It's church cussing. <laughs> uh, it's like I had a pastor ask me one time, now look it, are you trying to do everything with adrenaline or are you trying to do everything with anointing? Because <laughs> the way you're talking to me, you're trying to do everything with adrenaline. <laughs> Let me tell you about adrenaline. You're going to crash. Can I get a witness from this section back over here? Yeah, I just feel like there's a spiritual giant sitting back there today. I don't know who it is. I can't identify anybody looking at you. That's, <laughs> I love all you guys. Um, I, I've got to let God do through the anointing what I fail to do with adrenaline. Number four, uh, all things are possible. Luke 18, uh, Jesus says what is impossible for men uh, is possible for God. Ephesians 3 and 20, God's power at work within us is able to accomplish infinitely, that's a good word right there, infinitely more than we could ever dare to ask for or even imagine. Number five, God's anointing always reveals God's heart. Remember, the anointing is not so you can know you're saved. Now, you should know you're saved through faith and through the promises, the Word of God. That's how you should know you're saved. The anointing is so you become useful in the hand of God to bring His heart to people that He has placed you near. Why? Because people matter. Jesus died for people. They're not going to think like you, talk like you, vote like you. Uh, they still matter. They don't just matter if they vote like you. They don't just matter if they look like you. Christ died that because people matter. God's anointing reveals God's heart. Now let me show you this. The prophet Old Testament says this, the spirit of the Lord, Isaiah 61, is upon me and he has anointed, somebody say anointed, anointed me to bring good news to the suffering and afflicted. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and announce freedom to captives and to open the eyes, to open the eyes of the blind. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of God's favor to them has come. Yes, Lord Jesus. To tell all who mourn that God God will give them beauty for ashes and joy instead of mourning and praise instead of heaviness. Mm. You see, the anointing uh, is not about hanging out with the richest people. <laughs> it's not about me being exalted. The anointing is not about me hanging out in the courts of kings. If I end there, it's going to be because God put me there. That's not what the anointing is for. Let me tell you what the anointing is for. People who are sicker than me. It's for people who are more locked up than me. People who are sadder than me. People who need something that the world cannot give. That's what the anointing is for. Uh, <laughs> Prophet, priest, king. None of those roles are for them. They're all for other people. Now watch this. Jesus is going to inaugurate his ministry by standing up in front of the synagogue and he is going to drop the mic. He is going to, he's going to divide the house. What do I mean by that? When you divide the house is when you make a statement that you know is going to divide the house and there's going to be some who leave and there's going to be some who stay. Jesus is about to divide the house because he reads this scripture and only this scripture and he stands before the men who count themselves to know more than him, to be wiser than him, to be more spiritual than him, to be more of everything than him and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the suffering and the afflicted. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, freedom to the captives, healing to the blind, tell those who mourn that the time of God's favor has come. All who mourn that God has this transition this trade he will make with you. He'll take your ashes and give you beauty. He'll take your mourning and give you joy. He'll take your heaviness and give you a praise. And Jesus closed the book and he sat down. <clears throat> I want to just point out here that Christ is not Jesus' last name. Any questions? <laughs> Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ means the anointed one. So when I say 
Jesus Christ. I'm saying Jesus, the anointed one. 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 Anointed for what? He took my brokenness and he made me whole. He found me in prison, but he was anointed to take me out of prison. Jesus, the anointed one. Jesus. Actually, I have more for you. Messiah is not Jesus' AKA. Messiah is not his other name. Messiah in the Hebrew means the anointed one. <laughs> the anointed one. The anointed one. I'm almost done. Musicians, come. Uh, this anointing God gives us reveals God's heart. Let me just say very quickly, and I, I've said this several times, but I want to try to explain myself. You should not need anointing to stay saved. You should not need the anointing to stay, stay saved. It's not about this anointing. is not for you to uh, serve yourself, reassure yourself, and stay saved. If you always need a touch from God so you can stay saved, you know what that's like? That's like a man marrying a woman and saying, I will be committed to you as long as I'm attracted to you. But if we get old together, I have bad news for everybody. We're, we're all getting ugly. I don't, mean to be, I don't mean to be ugly, but I can't help it because every day I'm getting ugly. You know, my wife told me yesterday, she said, honey, you just are not sleeping well. You're, the dark circles under your eyes look like the very sign of death. You need to get some rest. And I thought to myself, thank you very much. Thank you very much. I just, none of us are getting prettier. Can you imagine a so-called love that goes like this? As long as I have that same uh, lust thrill, that surge of electrical want, go through my physiology. When I look at you, then I'm with you. But as soon as I see some other shiny young thing, and I get that thrill of physiological uh, electrified lust, then I'm done with you, and I'm moving on. Now, let me tell you something right now. You can call that whatever you want, but don't call it love. I don't need a touch from God to stay saved. I've chosen to follow Jesus. I've chosen to follow Jesus. I've cho you know, let me tell you about this journey. Sometimes it's going to hurt. I've chosen it. Sometimes it's going to be a bit narrow. I've chosen it. You've chosen it. Why do we need the anointing? Because this anointing reveals God's heart. And when I am anointed as a prophet, priest, and king through Jesus Christ, I am able to do what? Make a difference in the world. Manifest the heart of God. Pray prayers that matter. Give words of encouragement. Encourage somebody who is weak. Show the love of God to somebody who is feeling rejection in their life. This is anointed for a purpose. And the last thing I want to say to you is this. I need fresh anointing. I need fresh anointing. Let me tell you the truth about this preacher. I leak. I'm a vessel, and I leak. Y'all don't know what to do with that, do you? You're like, holy moly. Do we say amen? Do we quit the church? What do we do? No, we go on a three-day fast. You know the answer to that question. I leak. This vessel that I am, it leaks. I have brokenness in me. I have things I don't know how to fix. God pours his anointing in me and I have to try to get it out I want to share it I want to, because the secret to having is giving it's an upside down kingdom I have to give it out I have to give it out but I leak I hurt I cry just like you I need fresh anointing anointing in a way is like manna in the Old Testament you could only get what you needed for now you couldn't store it up. I'm, I'm glad some of you had a great prayer life in the 2000s. <laughs> That's not getting you through today. You need a prayer life today. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. 
I am always having, I'm like a bucket with holes in it, and it's always leaking out. I can do what I can to plug up those holes. There's some things I don't need to be watching. Why? Because it's running out of me. It's running out of me. It's running out of me. It's not about me deserving salvation. This anointing is running out of me, do you see? And I'll quit watching that because it's a hole where the anointing runs out of me. I'll quit reading that because it's just a hole. I'll quit with that hobby and that that particular thing. Why? They're just holes and the anointing is leaking out of me. I'm trying to be filled with anointing. So as a church, we believe in anointing. Uh, We must have fresh oil, Psalms 92 and 10. Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread, and we must be anointed by God. Uh, Hosea said, sow new seeds of righteousness, new seeds of righteousness. In Hebrew, you can also translate that as uh, pray and seek God. Sow new seeds of righteousness, and you'll reap the fruit of my love. Break up your old hardened ground and turn to me and what? Seek the Lord and then I'll come and what? Shower new blessings on you. I need fresh oil in my life. Oh God, Would you pray that prayer with me right now? Lord, we need fresh oil in our lives. We need fresh oil in our lives. We need fresh oil in our lives. God can anoint you. He can anoint you for his purpose. He can make a testimony of your life. God can anoint your business, your career, the manner in which you interact with the world in which you are placed. God did so with Joseph. He was greatly blessed. Genesis 39, greatly blessed so that everything he did succeeded. God can anoint your body. The Bible tells us to, if you're sick, ask for the church leaders to pray for you and anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer that is offered in faith will bring healing and the Lord will restore your health. And if you have sinned, you will be forgiven. So admit your sins one to another and pray for each other so that you will be healed. The prayer of a godly person is powerful and effective. I want to I take a moment. I'm done. I want to take a moment. I want to have a pastoral real talk. Can y'all handle a pastoral real talk? I hope you can because I'm giving it to you anyway. Um, So we've come through two years of this this COVID reality where it was appropriate for us to take care of one with another lest someone who was weaker than us would get sick. And although we ourselves might be fine, they weren't. We've buried people because of this. This has touched nearly every family in the nation. Um, I don't know what the count is right now, but I think it's over a million in America. A million people have died. In fact, so many people have died that the insurance uh, actuarial tables in America have changed. And they're having, because some of that industry is governed by law, they're having to change their pricing for products because it's governed by law. Because so many people have died, it's changed the insurance industry. Now, this is the real talk part. Different churches have tried to work through this in different ways, okay? Nobody knew exactly what to do. And so what pastors did is they tried to navigate their way forward with imperfect knowledge and not exactly knowing. Some churches decided to ignore it. That was their response. And because of that, You went to their church and it was like it wasn't even there. They never stopped, you know, giving showers of blessing to each other while they were praying one for another. (laughs) They, They never stopped screaming in each other's face. They acted like it didn't exist. They were not wrong. God save us from where this this desperate vanity where we need to judge other people and other churches. You can ask anyone on my past on our pastoral staff here. We do not allow a culture of mockery, contempt, or criticism to exist in this church toward any other church, not on our leadership team. Why? Or because we're good. No, we're not good. God save us from a story where we're our own hero. That's a broken story. The gospel confronts that. There's one who is good. It's the goodness of God. Here is what we're trying to do. Since they already have a master, let's leave them with their master. 
You see what I'm saying? If God is with them, something will come of it. If God's not with them, nothing will come of it. We don't have to fight, you see? But at our church, because of the way in which I think this is true of more uh, urban churches, we took it more seriously. Uh, and this isn't just my opinion. You can look at the uh, polling data. Uh, the city centers, because of proximity, that breeds fear, took it much more seriously than rural cities. This isn't my opinion. You're welcome to research it for yourself. Why? Proximity. We're all stuck up next to each other. We live in apartment complexes and whatnot. We don't have uh, a mile between us and the neighbor's house, so it affects how we do life. We decided to take it very seriously. We did. Um, we have over two years coped with this, trying to pray for one another and, and, and try to have that feeling uh, that we were comfortable with, with the reality that people are dying. Even Christian people, pastors and teachers and great men of faith are dying. We've tried to make it work, okay? The reality has changed. Uh, now, the best research among us is that most people don't have to wear a mask. Some people should, depending on your individual health and the advice of your doctor. And I don't have a medical degree, so you can just, you know, how can I ask you to respect my opinion if I don't respect anybody else's opinion? Yeah, your doctor knows what's good for you in that regard. This is what I want to say. Uh... Praying one for another is very much a fundamental part of the New Testament church. And a culture of us joining together, laying hands on one another, speaking faith over one another is very much a part of the New Testament church. And COVID is not going to change that. Okay? We have to figure out how to navigate. The churches that pretend like it didn't happen, they don't have this problem. They just acted like it wasn't real. They just ignored it. Okay? They don't have this problem. They may have done the right thing. I don't know. But I, because of the various reasons, because of you, I, I, I surveyed many of you. I talked to many of my influences. We, we did what we did. Whether or not you agree, it was my mistake to make. It wasn't your mistake to make. Is that fair? Or is that too straight? I think that's fair. It was my mistake to make. Um, but this is what I want to say. We cannot allow that culture of just staying apart to last forever. At some point, we have to get back to the New Testament style of being comfortable putting a hand on somebody and saying, in Jesus' name. So let me tell you how I'm going to do it. Um, I feel like I feel like this will help us. Um, when I know there's needs and I know you're fine with prayer, I'm going to start making a point of calling out needs and asking you to join your faith with them so that we can get back into that kind of free-flowing. Those of you with continuing health problems, please be a good steward of your life. It's biblical. Please be a good steward. But those of you who are you're not worried about it, you know, people act like, well, I don't go to church because of COVID, but they go to the ball game. That's just used to deceiving yourself. That's just self-deception, okay? So here's what we're going to do. I know of need. Stand with me all across the house. I, I've surveyed uh, people in the church. I've, I've, I've talked to our pastors. I've, I've, I've found needs of specific circumstances where we need the touch of God. And these are people who are comfortable with you praying for them. Do you see? Clarissa, I want to pray for you today. Uh, she has a need in her body for healing. I want you to come down here. There's going to be some of you who are comfortable. If you need healing in your body, I want you to come stand up here with Clarissa, all right? If you need healing in your body, we're going to join our faith together in this house. And we're going to speak the name of Jesus. There's, there's some other needs that we have here today. Uh, Mary, I know there's a, I, I was told about a need in your work situation where you need God to, to help you. I, I, want, I want you to come up here. And if there's anybody here who you need an answer in a work situation, I want you to come up here and I want you to join with Sister Mary. She's going to represent something here today. So I'm just going to pause for a while. You need an, a work sis, uh, situation answer. We're going to pause here. I want you to come stand. I want you to come stand over here with, with Mary. Laney, I ask for permission to pray for you. I ask for permission to pray for you. I want you to come stand over here, Laney. All right? 
Laney, listen to me. I want you to represent how hell is attacking young people today, okay? I want you to stand in the stead. Is that okay? I want you to stand in the stead of just how hard it is to be a teenager in this world we're living in. If you guys don't think it's hard, it's because you're blind, okay? And right now, we're going to begin to pray a prayer of intercession. If there's any, if, there, if you want to stand in the stead of somebody, you have a specific need, you want to stand in the stead, this is your opportunity. Now, I want you to be good. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.